Thank you. Um, and let me add my welcome to Brenda's welcome. Uh, welcome to all of you here uh, and to those of you online as well. Um, what Brenda didn't mention um, is that I do quite a lot of shipping work. In fact, I, so maybe that's why I'm drawn to stories like Jonah. But uh, I hope that my shipping work doesn't end up like Jonah's uh, shipping experience. So what excites me so much about the Bible is that it is such an ancient text, and yet it speaks such modern truth. It speaks to our time. It speaks to um, things that we find important to us today. One of the things in the workplace that we uh, are dealing with a lot, and I, I welcome it, I think is an excellent thing, is something called DEI. Does anybody know what DEI stands for? Excellent. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Very modern, uh, very trendy. Um, and if you haven't heard of DEI before, you might have heard of D and I before, which was what it was called about six months ago, uh, as it evolves into a more modern uh, kind of uh, uh, theory. So DEI is all about inclusivity, making sure that people are, are, are part of the valued group. But that's not what the Bible's about, really. It's about God's special people, isn't it? It's about the chosen ones. It's about the elect. And we're so happy that we're part of the elect today. Here we are, sitting in community church, <sighs> nicely saved. Is that what salvation story is actually about? Well, I... This uh, sermon series, the storytelling, has been really exciting for me. We started off with Noah at the beginning, and what we had was Noah living in this time where there was utter depravity. Um, and God said, you're all depraved. I'm going to destroy you all. Here's a big flood's coming. Noah, get a boat. So Noah made a boat, and God included Noah and included creation into his salvation plan. We had the Israelites who were taken into slavery and God released them and saved them from slavery so that they could be part of his ongoing salvation plan. And then last week we heard uh, uh, from Kwan Ib about the story of Ruth. And it wasn't just those chosen people of Israel, those descendants of Abraham, People who chose to come and be part of that story were welcomed in. In each of those stories, we've heard how God has taken people from the outside, the outside of his love or the outside of um, uh, mainstream value and included them into his kingdom. They have shown, experienced his Loving kindness, the word has said that we learned last week, which um, is so important to the character of God. But what about Jonah? Jonah actually takes it a step further. It's not about choosing the special person. It's not about welcoming the person who wants to come in the door. It's more than that. Jonah is sent out to the enemy of Israel, to the most despicable, 
the most violent, the most unloved, the most unlovable, the worst people. And God does what? He shows them said. No doubt you know the story of Jonah, right? Everybody knows the story of Jonah. We've had it from childhood. Jonah was given a mission. He didn't want it. He ran away. He got on a ship. There was a massive storm. It was found out to be Jonah's fault. So they threw him overboard. A big fish came, swallowed him up. He was inside the fish for three days. He was spat out on dry land. He went to Nineveh. He preached. Nineveh repented. End of story. Happy ending. Right? That's the story of Jonah. At least the one we learn in, in, in Sunday school. And it's not wrong. Don't get me wrong. That's not wrong. But there are other bits that we want to focus on today. So let's read the word of God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. That's a good beginning, isn't it? Massive storm. Jonah thrown overboard. The end of Jonah, right? No. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to me. Moving to the end of that prayer. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, has said. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Second time, same instruction, different outcome. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, 
slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city where he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. It's not a very grateful man, is he, Jonah? (laughs) But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, that you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their left from their right hand, and also many animals? That was the curtail, the abridged version of Jonah. Um, I think it's a fascinating story. It's, it, there it is in the middle of this book, collection of books in the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets, 12 books. Um, each of those books deals with a prophecy. They contain a message from God to his people. However, Jonah is different from all of them. The book of Jonah is not, this is the word of God to Israel. It's not listing the calamities that will befall them. It's not saying how gracious God is. It's a story of Jonah's life, of Jonah's disobedience and obedience and the fate of Nineveh. The the prophecy, the prophetic part is very short, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And this compares with Nahum, one of the other minor prophets, when the whole book is dedicated to how bad Nineveh is and how God's going to overthrow Nineveh. Why do we have this book in the Bible at all? What's it there for? It doesn't list those gory details. It doesn't say how... God's salvation will be meted out. It seems to me that this story is more a story of God's loving kindness, the hesed that we heard about from Quanit last week. You'll remember that hesed is a Hebrew word, and it's very, very difficult to translate into English. Um, It does appear in the book of Jonah just once in in chapter 4, verse 2. And it's mainly just translated as love in Jonah. In other parts of the Bible, it's called loving kindness. Um, uh, And sometimes it's called benevolent love. 
but it, it kind of encapsulates God's grace and mercy into one word. And in the book of Jonah, we see this has said given in two aspects. One, in relation to his loving kindness for all creation. And secondly, and maybe this is more of a challenge to see, but his loving kindness towards his chosen people uh, for Jonah, for people he has called. So in order to help us understand this a bit better, I think maybe what we need to do is uh, look at the characters, the two main characters, Jonah and Nineveh. Nineveh is a character in this, Bible, in this book, at least I would say. So who was Jonah? Well, we're told he was the son of Amittai. Um, the son of Amittai, that means uh, he is the same Jonah that is talked about in the book of Two Kings. Um, and he prophesied in Israel during the, king of, uh, the reign of King Jeroboam II. So it's about 785 BC. Um, and that he was a prophet. Um, what's, what's a prophet? Well, a prophet in the Old Testament um, is somebody who was chosen to speak for God and guide the people of Israel. So somebody specially appointed and specially anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament times wasn't available to everyone. It was only to special people. And one of those special people was Jonah. He was special amongst the special people. So the chosen people. And within the chosen people, he was one of the chosen ones. He was a leader in many ways. And yet he received a message which was not for Israel, it was not for God's people. How much of a challenge must that have been for Jonah? Um, my son, in feedback from the first session, said, Daddy, you should reorder this slide and talk about type for Jesus at the end, uh, because that's better. So I'm going to do that. Thanks, Noah. Um, so... What was Jonah like? What do we learn about Jonah from this book? Well, firstly, he was a coward. He didn't want the challenge of going to Nineveh and preaching. Secondly, he was a racist. He did not want the Ninevites to know the love of God. He's like, these people deserve to be destroyed. And I know if I go and preach to them and they repent, you are a loving God and I don't want that. You don't want you to relent. And that also meshes into the ultra-nationalist, the, the idea that salvation, that God's love was only available to uh, the people of Israel, the sons and daughters of Abraham. He was an exclusionist. He, he was exclusive about the, the message of salvation. He was disobedient. God said, go to Nineveh. He went to Tarshish. That's not, that's not good, right? Um, and yet, God used him to bring God's message of love to the people of Nineveh as a bit of a paradox, right? There's a little bit of a tension there. 
um, g- going back to the type for Jesus. So uh, last week we talked about types in the Bible. So a lot of uh, pictures and images foreshadow what Jesus is going to be like. And sometimes, often people talk about Jonah being a type for Jesus because he went into the belly of the fish and was, quote-unquote, dead for three days and then came out and brought salvation to Nineveh. Well, we've just seen from the slide that Jonah was nothing like Jesus in many ways. Jonah was grumpy, racist, disobedient, ran away from his call. Um, And we also know that Nineveh's salvation was only temporary. Jesus' salvation is eternal. So the allegory or the picture is a very, very faint one. So now we know who Jonah is. Oops. Uh, Let's see who Nineveh is. Well, Nineveh was a great city. It was a, a un. Uh, it's unarguable that in the ancient world, this was one of the most important cities in the Assyrian Empire. It was so big as it was described to be three days' walk across Nineveh and housed 120,000 people. Now, by that standard, that's probably one or two developments in Hong Kong, so we don't think of that as being very big. But in the ancient world, this is big. This is, this is big business. But we also know that Nineveh was a violent, bloody, repressive, uh, authoritarian regime. It did not value DEI. DEI would not be on the agenda. Um, I, I, this is not just in the Bible, not that the Bible needs support from elsewhere, but in ancient Assyrian histories, we can read about uh, the level of violence um, and inhumanity that was, uh, that abounded in, in uh, ancient Assyria. It included, for example, uh, nobles who were being punished to be paraded through the streets of Nineveh wearing a necklace of the heads of other nobles who had been executed for their crimes, just to remind them that they better not disobey. The third thing I've put up there is that it was a Gentile city. And uh, we maybe find that one a difficult one to associate with. Uh, Gentile is a very Jewish word. Uh, But, and and the other thing that I just wanted to say about it is we, we probably don't find it an offensive word because we ourselves are mostly Gentile. Uh, so we would find it like difficult to find that offensive. But for a Jew, these were people who were outside of God's plan. They, they were non-people. They are not people. And, and for Jonah, perhaps that is the most important point. He really did not think that the Ninevites were deserving of God's mercy. So why was Jonah sent to Nineveh? I mean, salvation for the Ninevites was really only temporary. Is it 
really just to save them for 150 years? Was it just this little microcosm? What other reasons might there be? Well, firstly, there, there are lessons for, for Jonah. We don't know whether Jonah learned these lessons because the book ends rather abruptly. Um, and it, it's a teaching point. But the, the lessons for Jonah are there. God still called Jonah despite his character. God knew what Jonah was like. He knew he was the exclusive of the exclusive. And he still called them to go to speak to Nineveh. God pursued Jonah despite his disobedience. He ran away. He went off to Tarshish. And yet God pursued him. God could have reached the Ninevites in many other ways. He could have sent one of the other prophets, maybe an obedient one, maybe a, an understanding one. God was with Jonah every step of the way, despite the fact that it seemed during the storm and the belly of the fish that God had abandoned Jonah. But he's with him, and he heard his prayer. Even though Jonah didn't pray, God, I'm really sorry I disobeyed you, if you just let me out of this fish, I'll do what you said and go to Nineveh. No, he reordered his life. If you look at the prayer, it's about proclaiming the salvation of God. And God heard that prayer and rescued Jonah. And what did he rescue him for? It's like when the Israelites were released from slavery. What did they get released for? And it was to be part of God's salvation plan. It was part of his plan to bring the good news to Nineveh. So God called Jonah a second time. And this time he obeyed. This is a great encouragement to us, I think. Um, in many ways, because I think when we look at ourselves and we look at our own lives, we know that there are times when we feel that we have failed God, that God has put something on our hearts that we haven't done, or we haven't done very well, or we could have done better, or perhaps we've just filled that space with doing other good works. Well, if I go to Bible study a lot, it's fine. It means I don't have to talk to my annoying neighbors about how Jesus loves them, right? They'll, they'll know from the fact that I'm always going to church that uh, God loves them. I, I don't have to tell them. So who is our Nineveh? Like who is, who or what is that person, that place, that group? that we are being challenged to be called to. As we think about that, let's think a little bit about what prevents us from speaking out to our Nineveh. Do we not feel good enough? Do we feel a coward? Are we racist? Are we um, exclusionist? Do we think those people don't deserve the love of God? 
many of these things will come to our minds, and it's very difficult to admit them, and I'm not going to ask any of you to put your hands up now. Um, But the story of Jonah shows us that God's loving kindness extends to us even in our exclusionist, racist, grumpy, cowardice, whatever attitudes. We don't need to have a clean record. We don't need to have the best attitude. Hey, we don't even have to have a beautiful and eloquent message. We just need to say what God tells us to say. And God will do the rest. God works through that salvation plan. God is actually calling us to bring his said, his loving kindness to all peoples, including our Ninevehs. I think that's a big challenge to us today. Um, so whilst we ponder that challenge, there are two things that we're going to do. Firstly, um, because this is not just old, it's also new, I'm going to read to us uh, from the book of Acts um, about Peter's experience with inclusion and diversity. Uh, and then we're going to um, just spend some time uh, meditating whilst the band plays to us. We can obviously join in and sing. So this is um, Peter's experience. So Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, and eat. Surely not, Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Uh, At that point, Cornelius' servant comes to invite Peter to speak with them. And Peter is talking to Cornelius. So while talking with Cornelius, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was not just a Gentile. He was an oppressor. He was a violent oppressor. He was a soldier. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. 
So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. Now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Thanks be to God for his uh, inclusion of us into his kingdom and into his love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your word and thank you that you have included us. As we pray and meditate and consider about our Ninevehs, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take that step of obedience, of obedience to your calling, to reach out to those whom we might find distasteful, to be part of your inclusion plan, the plan of salvation. For the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.